Can learning transform your life? This is Impact Learning with Maria Zinedou, a podcast where you will hear personal stories about how we learn, work, and live in the connection economy. Together with her guests, she will teach you to design your learning journey and create the life you want. On today's episode... How come an internship needs to be limited to just 10 weeks over a summer? How come a co-op needs to be limited to an entire semester? Can we unbundle or unpack these experiences into discrete projects, not as a replacement for the 10 week or semester long experience, but almost as a pipeline to it? To let me as a college student explore if I really want to do public accounting, or to maybe try something in marketing or sales or a startup or a big company a company or industry or role I might not have otherwise considered and actually dip my toe in the water to really hone in and explore what it is I want to do upon graduation. And in the same way for companies to start to explore students from different backgrounds, schools, majors, etc. Hey, it's Maria and you are listening to Impact Learning. I hope you and your families are all doing well and staying calm and healthy. My guest today is the product of New Jersey Public Schools and believes that the current recruiting system does not work for society. He brings together colleges, universities, foundations, companies, students and recent graduates to help improve the college-to-career transition process. I'm thrilled to introduce to you today Jeffrey Moss, founder and CEO of Parque Dewey, a mission-oriented organization that helps connect great talent with great companies. Parker Dewey has the largest network of highly motivated college students and recent graduates who are excited to complete short-term professional assignments known as micro-internships. During these micro-internships, they can demonstrate their greed and exceed expectations as they seek the right full-time role or internship. Micro-internships also help companies identify and evaluate prospective job candidates for when hiring needs arise. As a result, organizations improve hiring effectiveness, enhance diversity, and drive retention. Jeffrey and I discuss how micro-internships help students and recent graduates explore various career options by working on a range of projects for companies of different sizes so they can decide what work they want to do and who they want to work for through real-life professional experiences. If you are a student or recent graduate, our discussion will inspire you and provide guidance on how to explore your career and get your foot in the door of potential employers while you get paid for completing professional assignments. Tune in to learn from an inspiring leader who has been creating equitable access to professional experiences as a pathway to a successful career for everyone. Let's dive right in. Hello, Jeffrey. Welcome to Impact Learning. Hi, thank you for having me. Let's start with your childhood. What's your favorite memory related to learning? Gosh, there's so there's so many. I'm not sure it's my favorite, but my mother was an eighth grade language arts teacher. And I remember memorizing 
various things tied to English grammar. And even 40 years later, I can still recite them from memory. About, above, across, after, along, among, at. I won't bother you with all of them, but the fact that these, these things are stuck in my brain 40 years later says something. Not sure they're the best things to be stuck in my brain, but again, that's a different conversation. It's good to have memory. So I guess you trained your memory. I, th I think it's good to have it. It is. I mean, it's also it, what's interesting. And again, this ties a little bit to, to what we're doing now is I'm not sure that's necessarily the best way to deliver education is just rote memorization. So I learned all of those things, but I'd be hard pressed to actually tell you what any of them mean or how they relay or the impact of any of those things. They're just sitting in my brain taking space. And this is beautiful segue for what we're going to talk about. Awesome. I'm curious to know what was your experience with internships as a student or a grad? Yeah, it's a very relevant question because it really drives why we pioneered the concept of the micro internship five years ago. So as a college student, between my junior and senior year, I was a finance and accounting major. I did my summer internship at Cooper's and Library, which was one of the big six accounting firms. And one of the things I recognized the first week as an audit intern was that I probably didn't want to do public company accounting. I didn't want to be an auditor. Just wasn't the right fit. And meanwhile, I spent the next nine weeks in my summer internship and Coopers and Libran spent the next nine weeks with me, even though, again, I sort of realized it wasn't the right fit. And how great would it have been if I was able to get a bite-sized experience earlier in my academic journey to explore the fit? And by the way, for an organization like Cooper's, it would have been much better to use that seat for someone who had already understood that public accounting might be the right fit for him or her. So that was part of it. Another part was when I went back to university in September, I had one day the point of one thing I didn't think I wanted to do. I had nothing to compare it to. So by the way, my analysis of whether or not I wanted to be a, an auditor was a little bit flawed because I had no point of comparison. And even if I was correct, I had no data telling me and I was being asked to go apply and jump into the right full-time role. And it's incredibly difficult. Again, there's so few opportunities for a student for career exploration. And on the other side of it, one of the things that we were seeing, and this was ultimately the catalyst for Parker Dewey, was as an investor, we would hire five to seven interns for our team every year. And they were all super smart high GPAs, the quote unquote right schools. We went through resume screening and AI tools and behavioral interviewing and everything that we were supposed to be doing. And again, the first week, we sort of knew which of the five to seven interns were the right ones, not based upon how smart they were, how well they interviewed. We had some who came in and thought venture capital was going to be like Shark Tank or some that came in and thought it was going to be all modeling and no interpersonal skills. And it just wasn't the right fit for us or for them. And meanwhile, we're sort of stuck with one another for the next 10 weeks and had nothing to do with the financial implications, but more that seat was, would have been so great to be able to offer to someone else. And for a student, for our interns, it would have been great to explore those things before they jumped in. Mm -hmm. What we do when we become an accountant or you know, a dentist or something, what we do, the environment we work with and who we work with play a big role like whether we will enjoy what we chose to, to do. 100% agree. 100% agree. And there's so few opportunities for career exploration for someone in college or university. 
You go to the info sessions, you maybe have a conversation with Nalam, but they're not giving you authentic insights into what it's actually like doing the job. The only way to know is to actually get some experience doing it. Mm-hmm. From that experience you had, what's the origin story? How did you uh, reach the point to found and now, of course, run Parker Dewey? Well, first of all, as again, I mentioned I was an investor. My focus was on education and technology. So just through our work, I was getting to know thousands of college students who were smart, hardworking, had grit, amazing communication skills, ton of potential, every skill that we were looking for in our great hires, but weren't even getting interviews because they didn't go to the right school or have the right GPA or have the right family connections to get them that first interview. And meanwhile, they wound up under unemployed upon graduation, like 47% of the other recent college grads. So we were seeing that happen. And by the way, we were guilty of the same biases. Even though we were investing in all of these universities and platforms and organizations that were supporting these students, we were still recruiting from sort of the quote unquote top schools. And, and again, we were guilty of it. And where the origin story comes from is we were sitting at one of our partners' meetings in January or February of 2015, and we were discussing our summer internship program. As I alluded to before, we would hire five to seven interns. And the question was, in the summer of 2015, did we want to recruit any? Because it was a huge cost to us, not financial, but time. And we just weren't sure it was worth it. Because if you're bringing five to seven people and two, three, four of them aren't the right fit, And it's just year after year after year. And there was nothing that could be done to sort of suss that out. We were doing all the right stuff. And we were talking to our peers who were having similar conversations. Was it worth it? So that was mm-hmm. part of it. We were asking these questions. And in that same meeting, about an hour later, we had some work that needed to get done. And all of our associates, the associates are the students right out of college, or the, I'm sorry, the, the new hires right out of college, all of our associates were super busy. No one had time. And one of my partners made a comment, well, I guess the interns will do it. And, and sort of the light bulb went off. Beyond the fact that we just discussed getting rid of our internship program, if we have the interns do it, we have to wait three, four, five months until they start. How come an internship needs to be limited to just 10 weeks over a summer? How come a co-op needs to be limited to an entire semester? Can we unbundle or unpack these experiences into discrete projects, not as a replacement for the 10 week or semester long experience, but almost as a pipeline to it? To let me as a college student explore if I really want to do public accounting or to maybe try something in marketing or sales or a startup or a big company, a company or industry or role I might not have otherwise considered and actually dip my toe in the water to really hone in and explore what it is I want to do upon graduation. And in the same way for companies to start to explore students from different backgrounds, schools, majors, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about sounds like you broke down boundaries and barriers. Very much. Back to your question about the origin story. When this question hit me of how come an internship needs to just be 10 weeks over the summer, the first thing I did was said, it's got to be organizations doing this. I, one, want to be a customer, and two, hopefully want the opportunity to invest. No one was doing it. And the reason was, to your point, there were a lot of barriers involved. There's legal barriers. There's financial barriers. There's human resource and process barriers. And what we started with was a blank sheet of paper and said, how can we build this in a way that none of those barriers exist, as opposed to, again, trying to be an organization pivoting where you have certain things already in place? Mm-hmm. 
And what you created is micro-internships. For someone who is, uh, let's say, very new and doesn't know anything about micro-internships, what is it? What does it look like? Yeah, so the way we define micro-internships is short-term paid professional projects that are completed by career launchers on behalf of busy professionals. And I'll break down each one of those things. So short-term, typical micro-internship takes a college student anywhere from 10 to 40 hours to complete and is due a few days to a few weeks out. So very, very bite-sized, professional. This is not driving an Uber. This is not making copies or fetching someone's laundry. These are real assignments that are similar to what a new hire or a summer intern would be doing while at a company. So for instance, in marketing, it might be content creation, market research, competitive analysis, social media calendars. In sales, it could be lead gen, list crunching, data cleansing, prospect research. In HR, it could be things like job description reviews or content, all of these projects that are real and let a student get a taste for what a professional experience will look like upon graduation. But what's also important is they provide immediate value to the professional who's engaging the student to work on that project. Again, it's not being done for charity. It's being done because it creates win-win. So short-term professional paid. Every one of the projects is paid. Not only do we think it's fair, we think it also drives diversity, equity, and inclusion because unpaid internships are only available to those who can afford to work for free. What about all of those students who can afford to work for free, irrespective of how valuable the experience is? All of the projects on our platform are paid and paid fairly. And again, those things are really, really important and key to what we do. Another thing to your question about barriers is for the duration of each micro-internship, the student is a contractor and employee of Parker Dewey which means that for a company that wants to offer these opportunities to students, there's no HR, financial, or legal burdens or barriers to doing so because they work for us. It's the same as if you engaged a consulting firm or as one of our clients described, if you went to Kinko's, you put it on your corporate card, the person makes your copies, you have no employee-employer relationship. So there's none of that. The other thing that's important back to removing barriers is if Maria retained Jeff to, to work on a micro-internship for her and wanted to hire me when the project was done, whether it was a summer intern or full-time or anything else, there's no cost. There's no temp to perm fee. It's not like a staffing firm model. Again, we're trying to remove those friction points and barriers. Mm -hmm. Very nice. What is the business model in terms of who is paying for the internship and how much of that goes to the student or the recent grad? The company sets the price, the client company sets the price for each micro-internship. It's a fixed fee. On average, it's about 350 or 400 bucks. The range is probably 200 to 600 is where about 80% of the projects shake out. 90% of that goes to the student. So when a company posts a $400 project, a student sees it listed at $360. Parker Dewey retains 10%. That 10% covers our cost of having the student on our books. As I mentioned before, there are employer contractor and there's costs associated with it. That 10% covers our cost. That is the only fee for companies. There's no fee for students. There's no fee for universities. This is very much a mission-driven organization. Mm -hmm. When I was reviewing the information you have available, which by the way is amazing, 
Thank I think you. you have great content. I take zero credit. We have an incredible team that put all of it together. Well done to the team then. Excellent work. Especially someone, let's say, who hears about that first time and wants to find out. It was very easy for me to learn Thank everything. You. I was thinking, this is simple. This is quick. Like, I can do that fairly quickly. So it must be scalable and it must get the job done. This is my key takeaway. So as I was thinking of how this works, like the business model, from what you hear perhaps also from the students and the grads and the employers, what is the most important value they get out of the collaboration and work with you? Yeah, I'd, I'd say at the end of the day, it comes down to a frictionless platform that creates opportunities for these project-based experiences between students and companies. Now, there's a lot behind that, but that's ultimately what we've done, is we've made the platform frictionless to create those opportunities, not to, to your point, replace summer internships or replace full-time hires or replace the full-time job that you're going to get upon graduation. So we create a platform. Now, everything in there is built around that. How do you create those frictionless opportunities, whether it's handling the administrative aspects, huge part of it whether it's the project library that we've developed over the past five years, where we have best practices and templates and examples. So if you have a marketing project, we've made it super easy for you to post it without having to work really hard to think about it. We've developed best practices and resources to support the collaboration between the student and the client company on each micro internship. Again, everything has been built to make it easy and ensure both sides had the best experience possible. Again, back to your point about simplicity. Yeah, it was very clear. Everything I was reading was like, this is very simple. I can see how this works and how like they can all focus on getting the work done and also getting to know each other. And, and that's important because again, on the, on the client side, on the company side, there's two very distinct value propositions that are not mutually exclusive, but actually self-reinforcing. One is the get work done. So if I'm a busy professional, zero responsibility for campus recruiting or diversity, equity, and inclusion or anything else, I'm just a busy professional in marketing or sales or finance or accounting, I can easily post a project and have a college student help me on a task, on a project, that's important, that's valuable, but not the best use of my time as a 10, 20, 30 year industry veteran. Get work done. Nothing to do with campus recruiting or anything else. If I am a university recruiter at a company or talent acquisition professional, I can use this to identify, engage, assess, and ultimately hire candidates. I can use this to fill my funnel, to get to know students at schools I don't yet recruit at or students who profiles I normally would pass because again, they didn't have the right GPA or academic pedigree, or to get early access to students at my key schools. So again, I'm using it for that reason as well. And the reason this all works is it's only possible to use it from a recruiting perspective because hiring managers see that immediate value because look, we all have those tasks on our plate that aren't the best use of our time or that we're just not, don't have enough hours in the day to get to. But do you know what? There's millions of college students who are excited to help. So let's stay with this group, the employers, the companies. Right. So what you describe is also what you refer to as experiential recruiting, which, by the way, I think is a very, you know, it's an amazing term. So you are helping them with the pipeline access. So they are getting more talent than, you know, we usually get. And then they have a pathway to assess. And they can assess multiple, let's say, candidates 
because now mm -hmm. they have broken down the, the whole project in sub-projects or activities, and they can hire multiple students or recent grads. Yes, you, you nailed it. And by the way, the whole term experiential recruiting is something that Michelle Amold, one of my colleagues, sort of came up with years ago. Said, how come, how come recruiting is not experiential? How come we're relying on the signals of where someone went to school or a GPA to make these hiring decisions? Let's actually experience them. And by the way, it goes both ways because it's not just us learning about the student, but also the student learning about a company, a student assessing fit, a student deciding big company or small, certain industry. I mean, look, 55% of recent college grads leave their first job in the first year. We have a huge turnover issue. If we can give the students that exposure, the different companies, that they then have the context to make the decision when they're accepting that full-time job, we can start to overcome those challenges tied to employee attrition. So yes, it's all about identify, access, engage, and then see them in action. You also brought up another great point that we work with a lot of companies where they might be recruiting sales professionals. They're recruiting a ton of sales professionals right out of college. What they may do is give 10 or 20 or 50 individual students the same exact project. We want you to go find us 50 leads and get this info and tell us X, Y, Z about them. And they'll assign each one a different geography, different metropolitan area or different industry or different focus. And what those companies are doing is, first of all, it's a great way to get a whole bunch of leads in for the existing sales professionals, because if you have 20 students each tasked with getting 20 leads, that's 400 new leads. So that's the value to the sales professionals. What HR is doing is they're saying, let's see how these students compare to one another. Who gets us the best data? Who demonstrates the most empathy? Who takes the time to understand our business and put themselves in the shoes of our sales professionals to focus on capturing the right information or thinking creatively? So all of these soft skills, or as we prefer to call them core skills, really get shown even through a pretty basic project like lead gen. Then again, those students who come to the top of the 20 students who work on the project, maybe the company says, you know, these 10 or 15 were amazing. All 20 were good. All 20 did the work and did a great job. We have a 98% success rate on projects. So that, that's sort of the typical, but they might say these 20 were the best or these 15 were the best. And by the way, of those 15, two or three might say, eh, you know, this isn't the right fit for me. That's okay. Yeah. Company would rather have a student figure that out at the top of the funnel before investing all of this time or money and effort in recruiting and interviewing and everything else, only to find out at the end of the process that fits not right, or even worse, to make the hiring decision, have the student leave after three months. Yeah. But as you said, it, it's a two-way assessment because the students are also assessing whether they like to work with, you know, for a certain manager and also in the certain, you know, company and culture because the management yep. and the leadership style would be different. And then you talk a lot about skills. I also think they are core skills. They are 21st century skills that we, you know, we need mm -hmm. to have to do our work. Does it help to see more of that because they also, they might also work on multiple projects? Look, we've had students who do one project, there's a love connection, they take an internship and full-time role. It's great. It's wonderful. We don't think that's the best case. We don't think it's the best case. And, and not because of our business model. We just don't think that that wasn't how we designed this or why we designed it. We think the best case are those students who work on 5, 10, 20, 50 different projects 
throughout their entire college experience. And to your point, they're honing in on what I like. Okay, I think I like a big company. I do a project. Okay, this is what I like. This is what I didn't like. Oh, there's a project for a small company. Let me try that to compare and contrast. I never thought about a role in sales or marketing. Let me try a, a project in that area. Or I'm a philosophy major. I don't see any companies with the job title of philosopher. What am I supposed to do when I graduate? This lets them start to explore. And by the way, also understand that those core skills, to your point, the ability to research, communicate, craft an argument effectively, think analytic, like all of those are skills that are honed in some of those, the humanities or liberal arts programs. Here's how those students can understand those crosswalks and pathways and demonstrate them to prospective employers. We are in the middle of a situation that many internships were cancelled and also employment is more fuzzy than it was, you know, a year ago. So are you also helping really getting some work? Again, now I'm thinking also if it's an internship, it could be a, a student. But um, for employment, you know, these are recent grads that they are looking ahead and it all looks very fuzzy. Yeah. It's been interesting. We weren't sure what was going to happen in the spring in the current pandemic with people moving remote and, and again, internships at risk, et cetera. We wound up busier than we've ever been. And not like a little bit more busy, but like multiples. And the reason was, it, it was a pretty broad reason. We had, we had some companies that unfortunately needed to cancel their internship program. Most of them were going to be on site. So think medical device, pharma, some areas that sort of obvious manufacturing, we sort of need to be on site. So they canceled their programs. And then they said, oops, we probably shouldn't have. Our marketing team, our strategy team, or even our pharma team still needs help. So the student who is going to be in the lab working on whatever, I'm not a scientist by any stretch, so I don't know what people do in labs. But the student who was going to work in a lab, instead, what they did was they gave the student a micro internship to help with a patent analysis or patent preparation or other things that still let the student demonstrate and, and apply those technical skills they learned in the classroom to the real world. So we've seen a lot of companies over the spring and summer, quote unquote, bringing back their internships and using this project-based approach. We've seen a lot of companies who are actually busier than ever. So certain, certain companies, certain software companies and financial services because of this environment where they're saying, uh-oh, we don't have enough interns or enough employees. So they were creating new opportunities for students or companies that didn't wrap up their summer internship or full-time recruiting process. So we saw a lot of that. What that means on the student side is for students that put forth the effort, they were able to find opportunities and make the best out of a really bad situation. So it sucks if your summer internship was canceled. No two ways about it. And it happened to millions. Now, what's interesting is of those millions of students who went through that, some of them, again, said, woe is me and, and I'm going to spend my summer at the beach. Some of them said, Do you know what, I'm going to, again, I'm going to use this situation, again, try to make the best of it, which is why we saw massive growth in the number of students signing up and working on micro internships. And look, micro internships don't replace the 10 week experience, but for the college student who's going back junior or senior year, who has on his or her resume a series of five, six, seven different micro internships that they worked on in different industries and in different departments, think about the skills they're able to demonstrate to a prospective employer.
Mm-hmm. Beautiful. One important aspect that interns need is coaching, mentoring, feedback, guidance. How much of that do you support them with? Yeah, it really depends on each project. I mean, look, at the end of the day, each of the projects, we request the hiring manager, if you will. I use it in quotes because they're not actually a manager. We request the client to fill out a quick feedback form on the student. And we, again, back to eliminating friction, we developed it so it could be filled out in under a minute or two, asks key questions about how did the student perform with regard to six key criteria, things like communication, problem solving, presentation, et cetera. Students are rated on a level of not one to five stars or anything complicated. It's, hey, as expected for an intern or new hire, above, below, or oh my goodness, this is an industry veteran. Again, really, really simple. And what we found is by using a scale like that, we get very, very detailed, thoughtful feedback. As opposed to, again, the Uber issue where everyone gets fives except for the exception who gets a one and there's nothing in between, what we found is a lot more nuanced feedback that's incredibly valuable to the student. The student also has the opportunity to see all of that feedback, and then we give the the client the opportunity to provide free text feedback. Hey, Maria, amazing working with you. You did a great job feel free to use this on on your LinkedIn. It can also provide confidential feedback to the student. So, hey, Jeff, you did a great job. I don't want to ding you, but next time you do a project like this, you might want to think about these two or three other things. So it becomes a really, really good learning experience for the student. Again, every situation is different, but we're capturing that feedback. We're sharing it with the students, but we're also sharing it with our college and university partners. So they can use it to think about what's going on in the classroom or what's going on in career services and how can we better support our students? Or are there certain strengths our students have that we may not be showcasing enough? So one of our liberal arts partners found that the students were doing incredibly well on marketing analytics projects. That was really great insight. And now when that liberal arts program is reaching out to companies, they're highlighting. Again, you may not be thinking of a philosophy or English or history student for a marketing role, but you should be. Here's why. And if you don't believe us, here's a way to dip your toe in the water. Offer them opportunities to work on micro-internships for your organization. How do you find students or how students find you directly or through the university college institute? We don't do any marketing or outreach to students. So 100% of the students on our platform are here because they want to be here. And it goes further than that. We have partnerships with 400 plus colleges and universities across the U.S. We don't even allow the colleges or universities to have it as a requirement for their students. So they can let students know, they can encourage, they can nudge. They're not allowed to require it. And the reason is we want students here who want to be here. If I'm a senior and I've already accepted my full-time job and I'm doing this because I had to for a course, first of all, it's not going to be a great experience for the student. Secondly, it's taking away an opportunity from another student that is interested in that career exploration or that professional pathway. So a lot of the university partners will let students know there's a lot of word of mouth. A lot of students also are finding it themselves where they're researching what to do this summer and, and Parker Dewey shows up a lot. Yes. So let's, uh, let's stay with this. So if uh, two scenarios, first of all, let's say I'm an international student. Do you help uh, international students or are they eligible for your programs? International students can participate under OPT, 
Um, they can do pre-completion OPT because the projects are sure that it doesn't burn through too many of the hours. They need to get their approval from their international student office at their school. And we tell all of the international students that we cannot make that decision. We cannot approve them. They need to get the approval and go through the process with their university. Okay, but they are eligible and they go through the process. What is OPT? Optional practical training. Okay, the second scenario, which you talked a little bit. So if I am a senior student, my uh, summer internship was cancelled and it's July and I'm sitting now and I don't know what to do. And I'm also having another problem because I'm a little bit concerned and I don't know yet if I will go back to college or university in the fall. So I have a few problems to deal with and I'm only, you know, 20 or 21. Anyway, so what advice do you have for the students who fall into this category? And most importantly, how can you help? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it sucks. My heart goes out. I I have a nephew who's going through that right now. It's, It's a horrible, horrible situation. Uh, for everyone involved. My advice to them and and what we're seeing students doing is, again, they're not allowing themselves to be victims of the situation. Again, it sucks and and it would be really easy to go sit on the couch and complain. Our advice is take advantage of the opportunity. Go create your own experience, whether it's through micro-internships, whether it's through finding a nonprofit that you're passionate about and volunteering. There's so many opportunities available right now to those individuals. And by the way, as a college student who's taking classes from home, again, as much as it sucks that you're not going to the parties or playing intramural or or whatever college students do, it's been a long time for me, what it's also done is it's opened up free time. So again, especially for those students who are at their parents' house, taking classes remotely from the basement or whatever, this is something to do. You have more free time that would normally be spent on on-campus activities. And again, while we'd all prefer to be participating in the on-campus activities, this is making the best of a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. The son of one of my friends, who were, were having this conversation, so I'm actually asking this question also on his behalf, but I told him, I said, this is a unique opportunity that very few people will also show their ability to reframe the situation if they cannot do it, you know, through this pathway. You, you have an opportunity to demonstrate grit and resilience and uh, ability to adapt. And you, you can, like in September yeah. and October, you have, a, you have a good story to tell if you are willing to if do the do work. If you do something about it. If you do something. Yeah. And, and look, everyone in the past, when you look at the resume and if someone didn't have their rising senior internship, or didn't have a job immediately, like you sort of wonder and you question again, there's always the exception to the person who's working full time to pay for school, had other things going on. But but barring those exceptions, you sort of wonder, you say, what was wrong? How come how come the student didn't do an internship? How come it took they didn't have a job right after graduation? Those things are off the table now. Everyone who ever looks at the resume of someone who's sort of a current college student or recent grad is gonna recognize these are unusual situation to say the least. They are going to bring up exactly what you just did. What did you do at that time? We get that you didn't have an internship. So what did you do? Sitting on your couch playing video games, going to the beach, bad answers. Find something. Find anything. Create. We have students on our platform creating their own opportunities. We have students reaching out to managers at companies they want to work for reaching out to alumni from their colleges and universities and saying, hey, I am dying to work at your company. 
would you be willing to give me a micro internship? And for a lot of those students, they're running it through our platform. Like, and, and it's really, really cool because we're able to handle all of the payment stuff for them or they're doing it direct. Like any of those things are fine and we're giving them all of this content. We're saying, if you want to go create your own opportunity, here's what you need. Here's an email template that you can use to reach out to an alum. Here's an email template you can reach out to a manager who you met back when people were still on campus and ask them because you know what? Every professional has these short-term projects on their plate they don't want to do or don't have time to do. If you as a college student can offer to offload it for a few bucks, who's going to say no? And I want to highlight, and we will put all the links in the notes, that you have like very specific resources for students and grads, for universities, for employers, to basically follow your process, which again, I think is simple, but you break it down. You basically give them the tools, the resources. So this should be very quick. So someone still has time to get two micro internships in in August, probably. Oh, they could probably get four in in August. Okay. Okay. Yeah, That's I good. mean, there's a ton of time, and by the way, a ton of opportunities. Companies that did have internship programs this summer, a lot of them shortened their internship programs, so they took a 10-week program and moved it to four weeks. Those interns are leaving, but there's still work that needs to get done. Now is a great time to be reaching out to those companies, reaching out with the message that, hey, manager who I met at a college event would love to do a project for you. I, I heard your internship program just wrapped up. If you have any of that work, can I do it? They're going to say yes. Or they'll direct you to someone else who needs the work if they happen not to have anything at that exact moment. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a manager, a hiring manager, it doesn't matter what my role is, I still have time. If I follow the process you talked about at the beginning, I can unbundle it. I can create a couple of projects and yeah. then go through the system and basically convert the internship to like two or three micro internships. Yeah. One of our early clients said they think about us for the we shoulds and the I shouldn'ts. So every time they're sitting at their desk saying, hey, we should go do blank, but they don't have the time or they're sitting at their desk working on something and say, I shouldn't be doing this. This isn't the highest and best use of my time. Anytime those we shoulds or I shouldn'ts come up, they go to Parker Dewey and just post their micro internship. We should go write an article on blank. We should go do some competitive research on the flavored water space. We should go see what our competitors are doing on social media. Or I shouldn't be sitting here a week before a conference or a virtual conference crunching the list. I shouldn't be doing that. I should be on the phone making my sales calls. Every time one of those comes up, they go to Parker Dewey and post it. So that's one thing. The other thing we're seeing a lot of right now with the people who run university recruiting and talent acquisition at companies, how can we engage students? How can we get students to apply for our company if they haven't heard of our brand before? Or even if they have heard of our brand, they may have preconceived notions about our brand. How can we engage them? How can we assess them? And a lot of those organizations right now are looking at this experiential recruiting approach, these micro internships because not only do they solve this challenge tied to the current environment, as we've seen from the past five years, they actually lead to better outcomes, period. Better hires, better diversity, better retention. And by the way, it's more cost effective. They're saving anywhere from 40 to 80%. So it's a pretty good opportunity right now. Mm -hmm. And you're creating real impact because, again, you're giving more opportunities to more people. Well, look, and, and that's what this comes down to. Again, as an investor in education for 20-something years, there's very few places 
in all of education, again, K-12 through continuing, continuing education and, and continuing learning, where you have complete alignment of interests of all of the stakeholders. This is one of those places. Students and, and recent grads want to get great jobs. Not great defined as the, the most money or, or the, the biggest brand, but great meaning the right job. Students want that. Companies want to hire great students, not great defined as where they went to school, but just great students who are going to work really, really hard, do a great job and stick around. And universities want their students to graduate and get great jobs. And they want to deliver great students to the employers. And they want to engage alumni. These micro internships let all three of those stakeholders win and do so in a way not to the detriment of any of the others. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So that's a great segue to my favorite question. What is one thing you would like to leave your mark on within your lifetime? Yeah, that, it's a great question. Personally, I, my kids, I have a, a 10-year-old and 12-year-old, and they're amazing children. And they're, they're kind, they're compassionate, they're hardworking, they're, they're friendly, they're smart, they're polite. I want them to be able to have an impact. I want them to, to do what they love and be able to have an impact. And, and for people to see my kids and say, wow, they're, they're good kids and ultimately good adults. My wife and I spend a lot of time thinking about that and making sure we do everything we can to have great kids. So the personal level, my children, and the professional level, I think it's what I'm doing right now. I want micro internships to be as integrated into the college to career transition process as summer internships are, or on-campus interviewing, or any of these other processes. I want micro internships to be part of it, not as a filter, not as a preventative measure, not as, not as a way to block access, but as a way to really drive equitable access to professional opportunities for everyone. And that's really what, like when I think about what we're going to accomplish, that is the goal. Very nice. Thank you so much. That was such an insightful discussion. Again, I appreciate the time and, uh, and thank you for the work you do. Thank you, and always happy to talk to another person from Jersey as a, uh, as a Jersey native. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and you took away at least one idea to experiment with as you continue to make progress with your learning. I would love to hear your recommendations for guests who are disrupting how we learn, live, and work today and in the future. Please send your email to impactlearningpodcast at gmail.com. Two more things. If you enjoy listening to Impact Learning, please leave us a review on iTunes to help people like you find this podcast. You can always subscribe and never miss an episode. And if you have friends and loved ones who would be interested in this particular episode, please share it with them. Thank you. And remember, we can talk about learning, we can design it, or we can do both. This is Impact Learning. I'm your host, Maria Zenidu. Till next time.